The last half of this parak discusses laws to do with the transaction of an item from a seller to a buyer and how exactly it is done and what happens if something happens either right before or right after the sale has taken place. And the first case in this Mishnah, the Gemara explains, is talking about a case where the Mishnah says already, somebody who sells wine or oil to somebody else. And the Gemara explains we're talking about a case where the utensil into which the seller pours the wine or the oil for the buyer to take home with him to transfer the oil and the wine to his house, that utensil does not belong not to the seller nor to the buyer. It belongs to somebody else, and that other person lent it to them to use for the sake of this transaction, for the sake of this sale. Now, that being the case, it's understood that for as long as the seller needs it, it is being borrowed by the, by the seller, and that is until he has filled up the utensil with the wine or the oil. However, once it has been filled up, then the understood agreement is that the buyer is now the one who is borrowing that utensil, because he's the one who now needs it to get that wine or oil to his house. So again, the Mishnah says, one who sells wine or oil to his friend, to somebody else, the hukru aishahuzlu, and the price of the wine or oil went up or went down at some point during this transaction. Says the Mishnah, if the price changed before the measuring utensil had been filled up, so then who is the one who is considered to be borrowing the utensil? The seller. And so the buyer has by no means acquired that oil or wine yet. And therefore, the price changes for the seller, meaning whilst it's still in his ownership, and therefore the buyer would need to pay according to the new price. However, once the measuring utensil has been filled up, so now who's the one who is borrowing that utensil? Who is in control of that utensil? The buyer. And once he is the borrower of the utensil, he can now acquire the oil and the wine by the fact that it is inside the utensil which he is borrowing. Just like if he owned the utensil, so too if he is borrowing the utensil, he can use it in order to acquire the wine and the oil. This is another way to transfer ownership, as long as one is in an area which the buyer has some some sort of rights over. In such a case, the fact that it's inside of his utensil, or the utensil which he's borrowing in this case, that would be a valid way of acquiring whatever he is acquiring. Next case, when he starts to bring near him, if there was a middleman in between them. And the way we're going to understand the Mishnah is that we're talking about a case where the utensil belongs to the middleman, and he is the one who is measuring out the oil or the wine, he measures it out into the utensil, and he gives it over to the buyer. But in this case, there's no reason to say that he is lending the utensil to the seller, and then once it's filled up to the buyer, as long as he is there present, we assume that it is his. And certainly as long as he is the one filling it up, until he has given it to the buyer, it's considered to be in his domain, in his control, such that if the barrel or this container breaks, and it could be that the oil and the wine is also lost as a result, it is broken for this middleman, meaning he is the one who loses out. Since he is the owner of the utensil, we look at what is going on here as if the seller is selling the wine or oil to the middleman, and then the middleman is selling it on to the buyer. If that's the case, then it emerges that once he bought the wine or oil before selling it on to somebody else, whilst it belonged to him, he lost that wine and oil, and therefore the loss will have to be suffered by him and not the seller or the buyer. And now the second half of this Mishnah discusses a different law regarding somebody who is selling wine or oil. Once he pours, or we're really discussing a case where 
the seller has a measuring utensil. He uses that to see how much wine or oil he needs to give to the buyer. And then he pours from that measuring utensil into the buyer's utensil, into his container. Now, wine or oil, if we're pouring a liquid from something, so there's lots of drops which can come out later. The question is, if you've measured it, do you have to sit there for the next five minutes, waiting until every last drop comes out of the measuring utensil? Of course not. So what is the understood, accepted agreement? Says the nation of Tipin. He needs to allow three drops to drop into the buyer's container. Of course, once he's poured everything in, and we're now at the dropping stage, he needs to wait for three drops to go into the container, and then that's it. And even if after that, Hirkina, he tilted the measuring utensil on the side, Umitsa, and he caused it all to gather in one place, such that now you'd actually be able to pour a lot of it in one go from the measuring utensil, says the Mishnah, Harihu Shalmoicher, that would belong to the seller, because he's now no longer got anything to do with the buyer. Their entire transaction and deal between them was over as soon as the three drops dropped into there, and therefore all of the oil which remains in there belongs to the seller. Adds the Mishnah, the Hachenveni, a shopkeeper who is much more busy with lots of different customers, is not obligated to wait for three drops to drop into the buyer's utensil every time he sells somebody wine or oil, because he's so busy he's not expected to do that. Rabbi Huda says that in general a shopkeeper is expected to do that. When is it that we say that he's so busy that he doesn't need to? That is specifically Erev Shabbosim Chashecha. As it is getting closer to dark, to nighttime on Erev Shabbos, just before Shabbos is about to come in, then he's extremely busy. So in that case, Potter would be exempt, but only that in such a case would he not be expected to wait for three drops to drop into the buyer's container. But in a general case, he would be expected to. Mishnah test, Hashrech is benai. It's one who sends his young child to a shopkeeper, with a pundion coin in his hand. A pundion is worth two isar, and he wants the child to tell the shopkeeper that he wants to buy an isar of oil. So he wants his child to give him the pundion and receive an isar change, and he wants to buy an isar worth of oil. However, because this person is a little child, it is pretty obvious that the intent of the child's father is not for the shopkeeper to give the child the oil, because it's very easy for the child to just spill all of the oil. So it's clear that his intention is just for him to measure out the oil, put it on the side, and then later on, either for the shopkeeper to bring it to him, or he'll come to the shopkeeper, but not for him to give it to his child. And therefore the Mishnah says, shemen, if the shopkeeper measures an isar worth of oil, but also an isar isar, and he gave the child the extra isar as well, the change, and the Gemara adds that we're talking about a case where the father actually gave his child a jug for him to take to the shopkeeper to fill it up with oil. And what the shopkeeper did is, without permission, he used that jug for the sake of a different customer, for example, to pour oil into there for the sake of a different customer, and then poured it out again, and then he came to deal with the child's request, and he filled it up with oil, and the child took it, but unfortunately the child broke the jug before arriving home, the Ibedis or Isar, and he lost the Isar coin, says the Mishnah in this case, the shopkeeper is obligated and owes the father of his child a Isar coin and an Isar worth of oil, meaning he owes him the Pundiyayin. Why is that? Because according to the Tanakama, a shoyal shalimidas, one who borrows something without the permission of the, oil, of the owner, is considered to be a thief. And a thief is t- responsible totally to return whatever he took. 
And until he returns it directly to the person he stole it from, whatever happens to the item, he will be liable. And therefore, even though we can see that the father does trust his child with the isar and with the jug, he gave it to him. Nevertheless, you have become, the the shopkeeper has become a thief, and therefore he will be liable for the jug. And the reason why he's liable also for the coin is because, again, since the thing that he should have done is to just keep the, the jug of oil and the coin with him until he actually gives it to the father himself... So he should not have given an isar to the child. So it's as if he hasn't given change back to the father. The father wanted to give him a pundiyoin, and later on for him to give him an isar back. So he hasn't given him an isar back, and therefore he will be liable to the father of this child, a pundiyoin. However, Rabbi Huda Peter, Rabbi Huda exempts the shopkeeper, because according to Rabbi Huda, a shoshoyim das, one who borrows something without the permission of the owner, does not become a thief. Rather, he has the status of a regular borrower. And therefore, as soon as he puts the item back to where it was, and he's no longer borrowing it, his liability ends, and he's no longer responsible for anything that happens. And so now we can go back to the different logic which we mentioned, and that is that just like we saw the the, the, the father of the child trusted the child with the jug and the money, the shopkeeper doesn't need to be any more concerned, and he's also able to trust the child with the money and the jug. And he can now assume that the father sent him for the sake of him to give back the oil and the coin to the child to take home, and therefore he would be exempt. And that's the Mishnah. The Chachom agree with Rabbi Yehuda that the shopkeeper would be exempt in the following case. If the container, the jug, is in the hands of the child, and all the shopkeeper did was just measure the oil into the utensil, it could be that he took it from him, but the point is he didn't use it for something else. He only ever used that jag for the sake of this particular child, and therefore he does not gain the status of a shayl shlomidas, of somebody who borrowed something without permission, and therefore he has no responsibility over this, and therefore even according to the chachome, machen v'ni potter, the shopkeeper would be exempt in this case if the child then goes and breaks the jag and loses the coin before arriving home. The Torah writes explicitly of the need to have fair measurements and measuring equipment when one sells something to somebody else. The Torah lists a number of different types of equipment, things which measure out solid things or liquids, and the Torah says that they have to be fair. One can't use scales which are not balanced properly in order to deceive the buyer and to give him less than that which he is paying for. And the Mishnah says, Hasitoin, a wholesaler, Somebody who buys produce, for example, from farmers and then, send, and then sells that produce on to lots of different shopkeepers or merchants. Mekaneh Midesov, he is obligated to clean and wipe his equipment which he uses to measure liquids. For example, oil or wine. He has to clean them once every 30 days so that there isn't any wine or oil which has hardened and would make the measure, the amount which can be held in that container, less. Uvalabayas and the homeowner, meaning the farmer himself, he only needs to clean out these measure, this measuring equipment, once every 12 months, because he barely ever sells things to other people. It might be only once or twice a couple of times a year that he's going to sell a lot of produce at one time to wholesalers, and because he doesn't use the equipment often, he would need to clean them much less often. Now, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, interestingly, it's actually the exact opposite. Somebody who barely ever uses the equipment, so it's very easy for the oil and the wine to harden properly and to make the container be able to contain less. 
right? Something which is used more frequently, there's not enough, it's not left for enough time for it to harden, and therefore there's less of a need to clean and wipe the inside of these containers. Now, Genveni, a shopkeeper who uses this equipment on a daily basis, he's selling to individual customers smaller amounts. He would need to clean his measuring equipment twice a week. And although it is a debate, simply speaking, this is only according to the Tanakama, but once again, Shimon Gamliel would argue with the opposite logic, that since it is used very often, there's not enough time for it to become hard and to really make the container smaller. Now, regarding scales, which you might use to weigh things like meat, the way it would work is there would be two, t- two sides of the scales, and on one side he would put weights, and he knew how much exactly each one of those weights weighed, and he would put meat or whatever he is selling on the other side until it balanced out, and he would know exactly how much the meat weighed. The Mishnah says, He needs to wipe off the liquid from the weights, which are put on the other side of the scales to the meat or whatever is being sold, he needs to clean those once a week. Even though they're put on the other side as the meat is put, since the meat can have liquid on and it's likely to have touched these weights as well, the weights would end up weighing more as a result of getting liquids on them. So to make sure that you are being totally fair, you need to clean those once a week. And he needs to clean the scales after every time he uses them to weigh, and this is referring to the actual scales on which the weights or the meat was placed, again, in order to make sure there is no added weight at all, and that it is totally fair. said, When all of these words said that the law is that he needs to clean the scales and everything we just discussed in the previous Mishnah, that, of course, is only balach regarding liquids, or things like meat which have liquids on them, and so those liquids can go onto the scales and the other equipment, but regarding equipment which is only used for dry, solid food, in he would not need to clean them so often. And the next law of the Mishnah is the seller is obligated to sort of give up on a tefach, meaning to make the scales unbalanced by a tefach, the size of a fist, but to the buyer's advantage. The Gemara explains we're only really discussing things which weigh quite a significant amount already, otherwise you'd be changing it improportionately. But in a case where it won't change the sale drastically, you would need to actually do something for the advantage of the buyer. And so if the general practice in that area was to do what the mission just described, then that is what should be done. However, if he was measuring it Exactly, because the general practice in that location was to have the scales exact and not to make it unbalanced by a tefach. So in this case, listen the Gerumov, the seller should give the buyer its extras. He should actually add on some of what he is selling him. Echod la sora, one-tenth, which the Gemara actually says should read one-tenth of a tenth. So one-hundredth, one-percent should be added on balach when it comes to liquids which are being sold. And one twentieth when it comes to dry solid foods. And again, the Gemara says this is supposed to be a twentieth of a twentieth, and that would come out one four hundredth, or in other words, a quarter of a percent. Now, if it's true that for each measure, a little bit should be added on, then the buyer would prefer that they use measuring equipment which is smaller 
so that they'll use more, they'll measure it more times and add on a little bit each time, as opposed to just measuring it with a large measuring, measuring equipment and adding on a little bit only that one time. And therefore the Mishnah says, In a location where the general practice was to use small measuring equipment to measure, you cannot use large measuring equipment because that would be a loss to the buyer. And at the same time, the mission says it's a good idea that if Bagasa, the general the general practice there is to use larger measuring equipment, then Leon Badaka, he shouldn't measure using smaller equipment and then having to give a little bit each time, because this way the seller would be losing out. Alright, now the Mishnah ends off. If the general practice there is Limchik, to wipe off if you've got, let's say, a measuring utensil such as a spoon or a cup, and there's a solid inside of it, so it can heap up. The question is, if you're selling someone, let's say, a cup of something, and it piles up a bit, so it goes above the surface of the cup, is that included or not? So in a place where the, loca- where the general practice is to wipe that off so that it's not heaping up above, you shouldn't allow it to pile up above the surface of the cup. And Ligdaish, if the general practice there was to pile it up above, so that is what he needs to do, and Layimchaik, he should not wipe off the top of the heap, rather he should allow it to heap up above the surface of that cup.